Sales Tuners, episode 123, Ashwin Shibu, head of sales development at MixRank. If you closed out, you know, a $100,000 deal today, uh, you can't have that hanging over you the next day. You can't walk into your office and say, look, I'm the guy who closed a $100,000 deal yesterday, so cut me some slack. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from John Maxwell, who said, Self-disciplines repeated with consistency every day lead to great achievements gained slowly over time. Destined to join an IT services company, Ashwin Shibu fought that notion with everything he had. He matched up with other engineering friends from Singapore, and together they built a hardware automation startup in the culinary space. At one point, he remembers cracking more than 100 eggs in a week's time, trying to learn the exact force needed to dispense the contents without getting the shell everywhere. While the company itself wasn't ultimately successful, Ashwin was bit by the startup bug. He turned his focus toward generating new business and was off to the races in his sales career. As head of business development today at MixRank, Ashwin uses the millions of data points collected and analyzed across the web and mobile platforms about everything from tech stack to ad campaigns, company firmographics, and of course, decision makers, and sells that information to other sales and marketing teams so they can narrow down and qualify their own target prospects. Still living in India, Ashwin works from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. local time to align to his buyers across U.S. time zones. It's that discipline that has created the forcing function to build a successful foundation for his career. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash 123. But now let's get to the conversation where Ashwin talks about the freedom he was given to experiment in previous roles that has allowed him to figure out what actually works in sales outreach. It all goes back to what I was doing before this. So uh, before MixRank, I was at a small data company uh, that was based in India where I had the chance to start off as a salesperson. And uh, we, we ran a small team there of about uh, four reps. Uh, and I, was, um, I eventually moved from being a single rep to a manager. And once we got acquired by Full Contact, that's when I got to manage a larger team. So once at Full Contact, it gave me the opportunity to play around with the kind of outreaches that we wanted to do, the kind of pipeline that we wanted to build, and even learn how to build a really solid pipeline with really good sales forecasting added. So once I moved out of full contact and started my role at MixRank, uh, I kind of had an idea of what I needed to do. And uh, I spent the initial few days just trying to learn as much as I could about the industry, as much as I could about our competitors. Uh, it helped that the company that uh, it helped that Mixrang had been operating for seven years, so there's a lot of knowledge that's available within the organization. And uh, once we spent that time learning more about the industry, it was it was into building out a really high quality pipeline. So as you know, every pipeline starts out with you building a really good list of of prospects and ideal customers. So I think that's where uh, I invested 
the bulk of my time over the first few days was to figuring out exactly the kind of companies that we wanted to go after. So me and my CEO, we spent hours and hours just reviewing the list, um, looking at what technical or, or what problems each of these companies would face, and then building out uh, quick notes around how we want to approach them, You know, what's the kind of messaging that we need to give. And it was about a list of 100 companies that, that we want to reach out to. And for all of those companies, we created custom notes saying, this is the exact pain point that we believe they're going to be hit with, right? So this is the this is what we need to pitch to them too. You got a list of 100 companies. And in that list, you got individual notes, not, not generic about the whole list of 100, but you're talking about each individual company, you've got individual notes about what you think their pain point is. Absolutely. We created a Google Sheet. Uh, we listed down all of these companies. We listed down my notes. We listed down my CEO's notes. We spent hours and hours uh, on calls together, going through each of those notes, trying to understand, hey, you know, this is my viewpoint. This is your viewpoint. Let's figure out what's the best way to reach out to them. And we spend a lot of time just, just building out that solid list. Got it. So you've got great data to start with. You have hypothesized a potential pain. Now you're starting the outreach process. What's what's that look like? Uh, obviously, a little bit of cold email, probably some LinkedIn. What? How are you? How are you reaching out? It was pretty easy for us to find contacts. And once we found out the contacts that we wanted to go go out with and, and research, what I what I do, what I did then, and what I still do today is I send out ten emails a day. So I sent out emails to maybe around five to six companies, so about two people or three people from each company. And I limit myself to 10 emails per day. Now, the reason why I limit myself to 10 is I spend a lot of time uh, writing out emails. Like I, I, the, the way that I write out emails is the subject is super relevant to both the company as well as the person. And uh, the body of the of the email that we sent out, there's, there's no sales pitch there. The only thing that we ask about is, hey, is this specific problem uh, existing within your organization? Now, if that's the case, and, and here's something that I uh, used to do early on, which had a lot of success. Uh, I used a tool uh, that would record your page, your web page, and I used to create a workflow which showed me solving that specific problem. And then I took that video and then I copied it and I sent it to their email. So, so imagine this, like I was creating six videos a day that were very specific to the kind of problem that a company was, that each of those companies were facing, and then I sent it out to them in an email. Give me an example. What, what, what is that? Uh, what was the video that you were recording there? Most of the people that we try to sell to are sales or marketing folks at these companies. So I use MixRank to either showcase how we had information about either their competitors, or we use MixRank to show them what information we had about those companies themselves. And I drill down into each of the specific aspects uh, that actually made sense to them. Uh, and they were customized to uh, the company. They were customized to titles. So if it was a salesperson, I would show them the sales functionality. If that was a marketing person, I would show them maybe the integrations aspect. And once we created those custom videos uh, and we shared them with, with the prospects, it just became so much more relevant to them rather than just seeing like a blast where it's not personalized at all to what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting to me on, on many levels. One is that, you know, I feel like sales reps today, well, everyone gets asked, hey, just show me a demo. Hey, just show me a demo. Hey, just show me a demo. And obviously, reps, they need to be able to do some discovery. They need to understand what they're supposed to be demoing. And so they try to hold that demo hostage until they get what they want. But you're just kind of in, in your prospecting phase, you're giving a little bit of a demo. You're showing like, hey, here's what we're all about. I'm just, I'm intrigued by that. Tell me more. I mean, 
you, you send six to 10 emails a day. What kind of conversions are we talking about? How many responses positively? Actually, no, j- just responses in general are we talking about getting? For every 10 companies that I reached out to, we got about one to two solid responses. We, we got a few responses where people are like, you know, let's check in later or we are currently working with another vendor or this isn't the right time. But I was able to manage uh, up to about one to two solid responses where people were genuinely intrigued. People wanted to get on a conversation as soon as possible. And they just want to learn more about how we could augment uh, their current sales process. So at that point, did you consider it a, a solid lead or did you know you were still trying to qualify this person? No, it, was, it wasn't qualified. Uh, my rule of thumb is uh, that you have to get on a call with me to be qualified. So I would just, quali- you know, I would just move them into the first stage of, of my pipeline. Uh, but it was always after a, a conversation with them because we've been in conversations where uh, we show them the platform and we, we talk about uh, all of the things that they can do. But uh, when it gets to pricing, it just becomes so much of a, of a mismatch that we have to say no. Uh, it also uh, the, the, there are also times where people uh, see the data, but they don't have a need for, for such data and they decide not to do it. There are companies that uh, either have a look through the demo, really like what they see, and then at the end of it, they say, hey, we, we're currently contracted with another company. So uh, let's restart this conversation at the end of the next quarter. So, it, you know, there's a lot of information that people don't share via email. but And that's one of the reasons why I never qualify people until we get them out of that first call. And so it sounds like you spend a lot of your time trying to disqualify uh, your, your prospects rather than qualify. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that uh, one of my earlier managers told me is, um, as a salesperson, your only goal should be disqualifying prospects from your pipeline because you don't want to waste time on, on prospects who will never buy. You don't want to waste time on prospects who may buy sometime, sometime in the far future, right? If it's, if it's something that's happening in the next three quarters down the line, you only need to focus on them. Then like you, you can still nurture them. You can still send them valuable information. But uh, the time that you spend on prospects that won't close today is time that you take away from prospects that actually will close. So you want to build out a pipeline where you put in, you put your hand on heart and say these are exactly the kind of people who will close this quarter or you know will close in the next few months, and uh, you need to be spending time on nurturing those those kind of conversations. So so yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. That's some diligence that I hope everyone listening to this takes away from our conversation, Ashwin, because if, if you can't, as you said, put your hand on your heart and say, for certain, this one's going to close, like you have no idea. So you have got to spend the time truly trying to disqualify and understand why this person will not buy. What's going to prevent them from actually moving forward? And so I think that's that's fantastic. And I also think it's interesting, Ashwin, that you've been able to do this while being 100% remote. And I'm not talking about in another state. I'm talking about in another country. You know, your company's based in San Francisco, you're in India, and you're selling to the United States. Tell me what that's been like. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of different uh, angles to it. So one, being remote is always challenging, respective of whether you're in the state or in a, in a, in a different country. So I think that aspect's always going to be there. Like uh, you're on your own. You've, you've got to build out your own routine. You've got to follow it very strictly. You've, you've got to build out like a, uh, an office that's yours, that, that you feel comfortable with. So those are like the, the usual challenges that any person that's, that's, that's remote uh, has to deal with. On top of that, I think uh, being in a different country altogether and, and you know, a country that's almost 12 hours away from where your company is based out of, 
is is always another challenge. So for me, uh, my working hours are, are modified to uh, 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, India time. Now that usually corresponds with time in San Francisco where most of the people are awake, most of the people are doing business. So I had to uh, drastically alter the way I work. I had to alter the way that um, I do a lot of things like my daily routine, when I wake up, when I go to the gym, when I do most of my most of my things. Dot, all of those things have undergone a change. Uh, and uh, the you know the other thing that I struggle with being in India or at least um, not being from the U.S. is uh, English is not my my first language. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, I was, was going to ask you about that. I mean, you you <laughs> uh, you miss out on a lot just just by that being your second language. Yeah, tell me more. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's one of the things that uh, maybe not a lot of people uh, realize because it's just a very small thing. So one of the things that I've uh, maybe struggled with personally is being able to converse with people, being able to talk about very routine, very simple things like talking about football or talking about, you know, the weather in, in Seattle, for instance. Those are things <laughs> that uh, come very naturally for people who are based in the U.S. or, or you know, have that that culture. But for me, it's just so difficult. One of the things that, that I had to do is when I went to the U.S. a couple of times, I made it a point to visit as many states as possible to, to hang out with people, to learn more about the culture, just so that, uh, you know, that's, that's an aspect of my uh, catch-up conversations that uh, I, I really take control of. Yeah, so that you can show you have a little bit of that uh, local knowledge, that local presence. Right. Yeah. Anything helps. Uh, I mean, as as long as you're trying to build rapport with people, you wanna you wanna find interesting conversations, interesting topics that you have in common with people. So, uh, yeah, that that definitely helps. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here shaking my head for a couple of reasons. One, uh, your 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 working time zones. Uh, as everybody listening to the show knows, I've been traveling around the world for six months now, and I've got six months left right now. I'm in uh, as we're recording this conversation. I'm in uh, Tanzania, which is plus eight to the east coast of the United States. And next week, I move to uh, Thailand, which will be plus twelve. So I'm going to be on your work schedule, man. You and I got to become better friends so that I have somebody to talk to. You know, <laughs> at two in the morning when we're both working. So. Uh, uh, you know, like you said, that presents a challenge in and of its own, and 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 I, I'm definitely intrigued by that rapport building stuff, right? So you you went to the states, you tried to go to as many as you could, just so that you could understand, uh, you know, that those nuances and things like that. Talk to me about the challenges that's presented for you. Have you been able to notice specifically when you're in a sales cycle that maybe the English as a second language is is truly uh, limiting your your success or your ability to sell? If you lose a sale, uh, it, it basically comes down to you not being a good salesperson. So while that has been a challenge a lot of times, I find that once we get into the uh, the subject matter or once we talk about the product and, and the value and the solutions and how we can solve challenges, uh, a lot of that dissipates away. Like Customers, small talk plays a role somewhere here and there. But once you show them the value and once you show them that uh, having something having the product that you sell either saves them time or you know gives them the opportunity to make more money people are not going to bother much about that all right well in, in being remote uh not only with mixed rank but in the past you've also been remote in those roles you've learned a lot about the do's and don'ts uh, of remote sales share some of those with us one of the things um, that, that I've learned while being remote is you absolutely need to have a discipline, right? So you can't, uh, you can't, um, you know, if you do prospecting on a daily basis, if you do follow-ups, if you do calls, you need to knock it down on your calendar where this is the, um, these are the total number of hours that I'm going to spend on prospecting and uh, that's not going to change. 
One of, the, one of the other things that you also need to make sure, and this is this is advice that I got from uh, Steli, who is also mostly remote most of his time, is that uh, you need to remove uh, a lot of cognitive load on you. So uh, if you think about what you're going to have to eat next, and if you're making that thought process and decision making today, then you've already lost the game, right? You need to plan all of those things well in advance. You know, you need to eliminate most of the routine stuff that that worries you, like where you're going to eat, where you're going to work out of, what you're going to do for the rest of the day. All of those things need to be planned so much more in advance so that when you're sitting down to work, the only thing you're focused on is is getting your work done. You know, I, I, I want to I challenge a bit on this cognitive load stuff. I get it. I understand it. I've had guests on the show talk about it. I, I, I just don't, I don't buy it. Those those simple things like where I'm going to eat or you know what I'm going to wear to work today or you know when am I going to work out like to me it's not that taxing of of getting in my way so you're going to have to convince me tell me more about that well I think it's a bit more relevant so I just think that once I started to uh, keep these things tracked uh, and I remove uh, the, the the thought process that I need to spend on. Uh, when do I need to do this? You know, wh- how do I prepare for for figuring out? So, just to give you a typical example, I'm moving out of my current flat and I'm moving into a different flat. And what I did was I sat down uh, about a couple of weeks ago uh, and I charted out all of the things that I had to do, and I took them out, put them onto my calendar, and I forgot forget about them right now. So the only time I think about one thing that I need to do, it's already on my calendar. It's pretty well packed. Uh, I just need to do that certain thing at that specific time, and I'm done. Okay. So I, I, I'm totally cool with that, right? So to me though, that's just like preparation and planning. And, and I, and I totally buy it, right? Like, so you think about a lot of the logistics that I have to go through in planning a move for my whole family to go to each country where we're going to stay, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I'm, you're right. Like you put it on the calendar, you get, you give yourself, you know, kind of like permission to use that time to actually do what you need to do so that when you are working, you can only work. But I, I guess Ashwin, you know, I've heard other people talk about it, that they, they've, they've stripped down their wardrobe so that they only wear uh, black, right? And that's because they can't they can't think about the color they're going to wear that day. And it's it's that decision fatigue concept that just really irritates me. But no, I, with, with what you're saying, I, I totally buy that. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that some of the other choices, like you know, wearing, picking out clothes or, or trying out some of the other things, I just think that that helps you decompress and unwind. So those are the kind of things that I would uh, I would love to do. like having the option to pick and choose. Uh, and uh, doing those kind of things in your downtime just makes you uh, chill out. You know, one of the things that I have found interesting, I mean, I have found plenty of stuff interesting on my trip, uh, but one of them is just the sheer amount of choice that I actually had while in the United States, right? So in every country, every city that I've gone to, I can get peanut butter, I can get toothpaste, I can get beverages, I can get, you know, whatever the food, but you know, if I go into a grocery store, there may only be one brand of peanut butter instead of in the United States. I've got a whole shelf of like 25 different brands of peanut butter. And so, yeah, I, I totally understand the idea of limited choice. And I've found it interesting for me that I don't have to think about as much because I don't have the option of the choice. So maybe I'm talking myself out of it. I, I can see <laughs> some uh, some validity in it. So, yeah. So you, you've talked about, um, you know, planning, making sure you have that, that consistency. One of you, one of the things, one of the strengths that you've been uh, told by others that you have is that you will relentlessly do the consistent part of your job. And I feel like that's one of the things that separates you from other salespeople. Can you tell me more about that? 
early on in my career, uh, one of the things that that my previous sales manager at Full Contact, uh, Mike Brower, um, one of the things that he coached me on was you have to reset every single day that you are a salesperson. You have to reset at the start of the day. Now, what that means is if you closed out you know, a $100,000 deal today, uh, you can't have that hanging over you the next day. You can't walk into into your office and say, look, I'm the guy who closed a hundred thousand deal yesterday. So cut me some slack, you know, or I'm, I'm going to take this week easy because I, I just did a whole huge deal that, that, you know, closed out my, my quota for this quarter. You can't have that kind of complacency come into your, come into your sales career, because that's the kind of thing that ruins the best people out there. So every single day and every single evening that you walk out of, of the office, you have to do a reset. Like if you've closed a big deal today, you know, absolutely great, fantastic, go ahead and celebrate it. But when you walk into the, the office the next day, you have to reset. You have to go back into today's a new day. I'm going to have to do the same thing all over again. It also applies whenever you've, you're down, you know, you've worked for months and months on a deal and finally it ended up not, not going through or you lost the deal to somebody else. Uh, you cannot spend the rest of the week moping around. You have to reset. You have to go back in and say, look, you know, that's done. Uh, I need to get back on and start doing building more pipeline. I want to close the rest of the deals that I have existing on my pipeline. So it's all about doing that reset and just walking in every single day and saying, no matter what happened yesterday, I'm still going to put in my 100% today. I think that's fantastic. You know, one of the things that I, I share with a lot of the reps that I coach is that notion of the, the sales roller coaster you're talking about, but you can't get too high on the highs and you can't get too lows on the lows. You just got to stay even. And to use a, a football uh, reference or analogy for you, uh, you know, it's, it's the notion of like the best athletes, the best, uh, you know, football players, running backs, wide receivers, et cetera. When they score a touchdown, they're not the ones in the end zone doing some fancy dance. They put, they, they, they cross the goal line. They score their touchdown and they run the ball back to the referee, hand it to them, and then they, they're off to the sideline to game plan with their team, right? Because that's where their head's at. They act as if that was expected. They've been there before. They've done this. They don't need to showboat. Uh, and so I think there's a lot to that because those guys who are in the end zone doing all the different dances and trying to get on camera and whatnot, they're the same guys that when they fumble the ball and cause their team to lose because of that turnover, get completely down on themselves. And they're just in a, a vicious loop of that. So that relentless consistency is something that uh, I see a lot of value in. Yep, absolutely. Well, Ashwin, I've got to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Ashwin, are you ready for the money round? Uh, yeah, let's do it. What's the one thing that's contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Prospecting, prospecting and prospecting. Uh, if, if you're a manager, if you're a rep, if you're a BDR, the one thing that everybody needs to focus on is prospecting. Uh, so I would say that. If you were to start off today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? I would, I would invest in, in learning to be uh, a better communicator, uh, learn to uh, have a better hold of the language, uh, you know, because I think 
being able to communicate effectively is is the number one challenge that a lot of salespeople face. And if you were to spend a lot of time into tackling that, that should be a, a really good step for improvement. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Hate to lose. Uh, as salespeople, every deal on the pipeline uh, that, that you have, you're expected to win, uh, all of them, all the time. But every single time you lose, uh, it's either because uh, you didn't qualify them properly or you didn't disqualify them properly. So anytime a deal loses, it's I'm, I'm going to say it's your fault. Uh, and uh, you know, being a salesperson, I, I don't want that to happen. So I, I always hate to lose. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross was, was one of those books that was instrumental to me uh, becoming a, a better salesperson. Uh, I've gifted this book multiple times. It's, it's one of the best books that I've read. Uh, I have a copy that's scratched out, that's marked out. I would recommend that any day. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Ashwin's suggestion of predictable revenue for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for predictable revenue. And I agree. I've gifted it many times. It is it's kind of one of those catalyst books that got a lot of people going on this outbound prospecting things. And um, yeah, my copy is also highlighted and scratched and, and notes all in the uh, the spine as well. So... Ashwin, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? From a sales perspective, it is uh, to close out a $1 million deal. Uh, you know, I've been part of a, a half million dollar deal at my previous company. Uh, it felt stressful. It felt exhilarating. It was, it was, it was amazing at the end. Uh, and uh, you know, I would love to knock out a big 1-0. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Um, you know, something that we talked about earlier, which is keep your heads down and reset yourself every single day. You know, closed a big deal today, reset for tomorrow. You lost a big deal, reset for tomorrow. It's it's the one thing that you need to do to manage expectations and become a better salesperson. Uh, like you said, you know, being a better professional is to reset, focus and, and just do it. Being halfway around the world, I've found a new late night work buddy in Ashwin, and I'm grateful to know someone else is grinding at the same time I am. If you want to reach out, Ashwin said the best way is on LinkedIn, and like most, he asked that you personalize the message. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, invest time building the right list. Knowing who your ideal prospect is, is only the beginning of a good outreach plan. Don't take for granted the amount of work that goes into identifying exactly who those people are and trying to acquire their contact information. If you're doing this manually, it's a lot of hard work. And even if you're paying for data sources, it still takes a lot of preparation to do it right. After you've found the right people, the next step is to spend some time trying to hypothesize what problems each of these companies uniquely face and what messaging you can then use to address them on an individual level. Number two, build discipline into your calendar. As a sales professional, it's almost a given we have some level of ADD and the unique ability to find every squirrel there is in our day to day. That said, when you're ready to take your game to the next level, blocking time on your calendar for all those important activities is the first step to ensuring that success. Sure, you may believe you can multitask, or you may believe you have superhuman powers that would just be able to will your way into everything getting done, but you could also just schedule the activities and make commitments to yourself. I use this technique to even schedule in time to learn about new things. Giving myself that permission ensures I don't feel guilty about not doing something else that may be higher on my priority list. Number three, learn to reset every day. 
Look, I'm a gambler, and I always find it humorous when I go to Vegas and see previous outcomes of the roulette wheel displayed. Why? Because they literally have nothing to do with the next independent event or spin of the wheel. Yet some people let them guide their bets. Whether you just closed a $1 million deal or heard no 47 times, yesterday is in the past and should have no bearing on what you do today. In sales, we have really high highs and just as low of lows. You have to force yourself to manage that energy and see each day just like the roulette wheel, an independent event. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.